Welcome back to Bootability, a weekly interview series about the amazing ability people have to change our lives and the world if we're brave enough to tap into it. These are honest conversations with people of all walks of life, reflecting on their own bootability, what it looks like, how it feels, and how the philosophy of SGI Nichiren Buddhism, which is based on the practice of chanting Nam-myoho-renge-kyo, can be used to bring it out. I'm your host, Jihee Jolly. Today's episode is about family. As we head into a most unusual holiday season, we've been thinking a lot about how tapping into our bootability can impact our families. Then I heard Priya's story. Priya is a young woman who practices Buddhism in New York. I reached out to her because I heard her share about a project she's been doing with her grandmother, and I found it so incredibly inspiring that I had to know more. Here's the summary. Priya is half black from her maternal side and half Indian from her paternal. She told me that while she had a happy childhood, she always fell out of place in her family and like she wanted to connect with them more, but didn't know how. This tension was complicated by one specific family member, her grandmother. Priya grew up very close to her maternal grandmother who helped to raise her and whom she loves and admires very much, but she was also afraid to come out to her. This, plus her own struggles with being herself, caused Priya to constantly feel disconnected from other people. Then, last year, as she approached her 90th birthday, her grandma started questioning the family in ways that were confusing and even a little hurtful, so Priya decided to chant about it. She didn't want to be consumed by her grandmother's suffering, and at the same time, she wanted to change her family dynamics. Of course, she didn't know how, so she decided to start with herself and just make a phone call to her grandmother every day on her lunch break to say hi. And then everything started to change. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm okay. I'm tired. How are you? Why are you tired? You're not working. I am at work. Oh, but that ain't tiring. When you got to go two miles per row of cotton, that's tiring. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) And you're bringing back the memories? That's a sample recording from one of their calls. What's so real is that the calls weren't easy to make. She said that she didn't always want to call her grandmother and coordinating schedules was hard. But then she started learning more and more about her grandmother's life. And together, they got curious about each other and the rest of the family. She now has an entire archive of these tapes, which her grandmother let her record, and they have impacted the entire family in the most beautiful way. So, no matter how close or far you might be to your family right now, and I mean that physically or emotionally, this is a story worth listening to. So why don't we just start with introductions, um, if you can just tell me how you got introduced to chanting and or sort of why you started chanting and practicing Buddhism. So um, my mother was actually introduced to Buddhism when she was my age in a town very close by to where we are right now in Rockland. And, you know, I really, really commend her for her courage, um, having come from a family of predominantly Baptists and Catholics. Um, so, you know, growing up, I just had the most truly fun childhood. Um, and 
moving forward, it was in college that I developed severe anxiety and it manifested as this intense fear of expressing myself and this fear of being judged by other people in actually every imaginable realm of my life. So this included speaking up in class, sharing thoughts on readings, or questioning whether my reflections, you know, would make sense to anyone. Um, It extended even to expressing interest in a romantic interest. Um, So, you know, self-expression just became this site of like huge, enormous struggle and pain for me. Um, But with all of this as a backdrop, you know, simultaneously, I was connected to the SGI Buddhist community via a family friend, probably due to our moms just conferring (laughs) about like, oh, my, you know, my daughter is in the neighborhood and I was chanting on my own. Um, But, you know, I very soon, because of this family friend connection, started to go to meetings again. And I really think that had I not gotten more involved with Buddhist activities at this time, my own feelings of inadequacy in university would have truly overwhelmed me. Mm. Yeah. Did this sort of struggle with expressing yourself, you know, also uh, manifest in how you felt within your family? Because it sounds like Mm -hmm. you had this really joyful childhood. So it's almost like two different things. Do they come together at some point? Or how how did you feel kind of um, about all of this in terms of your own family? Yeah, thanks for that question. You know, as we approach the holiday season, um, I've been revisiting like memories of um, Thanksgiving at my house. Um, You know, growing up every year, my parents made such strenuous efforts and, you know, keyword strenuous, like this was not a very natural, um, (laughs) these things like our family gatherings didn't happen in a very natural, organic way. Um, I was fortunate to grow up with all four of my my grandparents alive, but with two of them on my father's side being in India for most of my my life, I had more of a closeness with my maternal grandmother because she lived 10 minutes away. Um, And actually she had a childcare service, um, a Head Start, she was a Head Start childcare provider while me and my sister were growing up. And I saw her as like this, you know, grand maternal figure. Um, and in addition, she had two sets of uh, foster children, two young women and one young man. And, you know, so growing up, I just felt like her home was just this place of, um, you know, such joy and, you know, child rearing. And um, it was it was a lot of fun as well. Um, but when it came to the holiday time, other things and other dynamics and things about my grandmother, this woman who played such a instrumental role in raising me, um, would come to the surface and, and be revealed. And I had so many questions that I didn't feel comfortable asking, not because, because I was denied the opportunity, but I really felt like if I tried to delve into something more than small talk, that, you know, I... I might be rejected in some way. So, you know, we would make sure every every Thanksgiving to have an opportunity where everyone could share what they were thankful for. And that's what, like, you know, we, it seemed like, you know, people would, some people were dreading it. Like, other people like me are, like, looking forward. I was like, yeah, let's do this. Like, I want to talk to my family. Um, 
And I just remember in those like circle up times, like it always seemed like my elders were like holding back tears, you know, just like I could see like such tremendous emotion at like more than I had ever seen in my whole life in these circle up, share what you're thankful times. And again, instead of being like, wow, like this is incredible. I was just like, why are they holding back their tears? Like, why, why won't they just cry? Like, let it out. Like, now's the time to like, for us to connect, Mm -hmm. you know, like I was just looking to connect so badly. And then as a result, when it would come my time to share what I'm thankful for, I was like, how could I possibly share what's really in my heart? Like, what if I cry? Am I not supposed to cry? Like, like, you know, just like Mm -hmm. observing everything around me and these family, family dynamics, feeling like no one was talking about anything. All these questions that I had, and feeling like so repressed, it's like, yeah, I, I can't believe I, ha- I had such a feeling of repression at such a young age about asking questions about like my family and wanting to get to know them better. It's so fascinating to me. Yeah, that's such a visceral, um, I don't know, just like a like the the image. So tell me, like, so what did you you do about this? I know that it led to this kind of amazing project that you're currently working on with your grandmother. But um, yeah, maybe just can you tell us like what did you do about it and what are you doing now? Yeah, of course. So as my grandmother was approaching her 90th birthday in December, 2019, um, we, she started expressing a lot of anxieties around um, her end of life plans and, you know, who would be the person to take care of her? Who could she truly trust and like moreover I think what dominated in her the way she was expressing herself was like who could satisfy her needs and essentially do things the way that she wanted things to be done (laughs) but all of these things that were coming out of my grandmother's life in preparation for her turning 90 years old um really became like a a call to action for me, I always knew that my grandmother and the way she expressed herself was the source and cause of a lot of pain and suffering and that she had been at the root of like, you know, a lot of estrangement in our family. And yet my fondness for her and my deep love and concern for her feels so unending. Um, On top of that, she was expressing concerns around wanting her grandchildren to know who she really is. And, you know, these things, if not the first time, when repeated, would really start to to hurt. Um, And in all seriousness, you know, she even started to deny invitations to celebrate holidays together, saying like, I just don't feel part of y'all and and referencing things like you always have other people at the house, like, you know, because we will invite family friends. Um, and of course, my dad's family is of different, you know, racial background or ethnicity. And, you know, so all of this was like, what is she really trying to say here? Um, and, you know, this kind of expression was not isolated to the last few years and this desire to reach out but not but to not know how without cutting someone down 
has really caused so many people so much pain in my family over many decades. She's always been known as like a my way or the highway or like, you know, this is how it's going to be done kind of grandmother. And then there's me, you know, and interestingly, my middle name is her first name, Anita. And, you know, she played this large role in raising me. And I, as you know, I mentioned, I admire her for so many reasons. Um, On top of that, I know what it feels like to feel Mm. out of place in my family, in our family, you know, albeit for some reasons that she may have contributed to, right? Like feeling like I want to be close to my family, but there's a lack of closeness due to, Mm. in a large part, my grandmother's actions. So as she was, you know, really expressing herself, like, and asking us for help, like a real, these were like real calls for help. So many things were crossing my mind. Like, you know, this is the woman who raised me, but was I going to allow myself to be consumed by, you know, the concerns of my grandmother that she had so clearly, you know, caused herself? Or should I jump ship and leave my New York City apartment to live with her and, and just, you know, figure out her last wishes and go from there? So I couldn't figure out what action I wanted to take. And so I chanted, and I'm so thankful to have been put in a situation where I could, where I couldn't use my mind alone. And um, as a result, I realized like I was lacking an inner determination. You know, I realized thanks to many years of Buddhist practice that when I don't have a clear sense of purpose or inner determination, mm-hmm. anything can truly consume me. And this also relates to, you know, my college struggles of being consumed by what others may think of me. Um, But when this starts to happen, I know I have to refresh my inner determination. And I realized pretty quickly that my grandmother was reflecting things in my life and that it was her discontent that enabled me to decide to take action toward a shared goal of getting to know my family better. So first off, I decided to initiate daily phone calls with my grandmother over my lunch break, fitting it in, like no matter what. And not only did I want to hear her life story, but I also wanted to help her tell it to our family and to anyone who ever wondered in the future and to many other people through, you know, various other Mm -hmm. formats that I began to start imagining. Wow. I think a lot of people can relate to this kind of tension um, between um, maybe how someone they really love in their family might be perceived by other family members, um, or even we ourselves sometimes have like Mm. complicated relationships with the people that we love. How did sort of seeing how people viewed your grandmother or talked about your grandmother's like harshness or her way of being make you feel when you witnessed it? I think I didn't realize how much of an impact um, having that secondhand knowledge of, you know, who my grandmother was in certain people's lives or the the negative impact she may have had in certain relationships. You know, I had a different relationship with my grandmother and I hope to explore with more of my cousins and family members what their perceptions may have been and to really help each other understand more fully, you know, like who we all are. But I started to realize, you know, 
when I was in college that I, my, I too wasn't being as authentically myself with my grandmother as I would have liked to have been. Mm-hmm. And I think that showed up really with my romantic relationship. My first romantic relationship that happened to be with a woman and like I was struggling to really feel like I could could share with my grandmother um and this was for no reason other than what was in my mind and so I just came to the feeling that like there's no way I was gonna talk to her about my queerness or uh, the potential that I could end up with a woman um, if I'm not sure how she's going to react. And like, it would be awful if I did. And she made me feel even worse about myself as she may have done with other people. Um, so I definitely, yeah, I was totally impacted by the things I had heard. And it disabled me from really showing, just showing up and, you know, what I will say is now we're, you know, maybe seven, eight years later, like through this effort of connecting with my grandmother, everything has shifted. And I had the, have had the courage to speak openly with my grandmother. And yes, there have been tears and there has been, you know, um, on both sides, just tremendous appreciation for being able to go there and to be able to just explore who we are and the things that we've been holding back and we just appreciate each other so much for being able to like truly put into practice what it means to have courage and I think over anything else like she wanted that in her life to continue yeah yeah absolutely that makes sense I I don't know it's this is just such a profound sort of tension and it's also so fascinating to feel like you love somebody so unconditionally and yet perhaps they um, you know, uh, have really hurt people in the way that they communicate and they may or may not even accept you for who you are and yet you still love them so unconditionally. And so what are you supposed to do with that, you know? So I'm curious, um, you know, before like you began this project, which ultimately became the way that you dealt with all of this, how did you start to chant about it? I'm just thinking from the perspective of someone who's in the thick of all of this and they just really don't even know how, how to how to feel, what to do, what action to take, you know, um, while you were in the thick of these like kind of conflicting emotions. Um, yeah. What role did your Buddhist practice play or like, how did you approach it with Buddhism? What's so amazing about chanting is that you can focus on anything that's in your heart and your whole life becomes illuminated. Mm. And so I can't, tell you that I had the courage to chant explicitly about you know coming out to my grandmother I really feel like you know the struggles of my daily life like you know through struggling and focusing on like exactly what was in front of me which was my job at the time among other things you know those things enabled me to become strong and um like winning over myself in those situations enabled me to really become strong so that in the more recent moments where I've been, you know, talking openly with my grandmother, I can see like, whoa, like 
this tremendous foundation was built. So when I started speaking with my grandmother daily um, with this new intention, um, it was it was not for small talk. Um, it w- And it became actually very painful very quickly to pick up the phone to call her every day. And it was like, how can I be making such a strong inner determination? And then like, my life is just resisting so much. But now the amount of appreciation I have is just immeasurable. And those phone calls, with her permission, I recorded and transcribed. And they are this rich, growing archive of our family history now. Um, And most moving is that my grandmother started to reach out to more relatives on her own and was expressing a renewed sense of purpose and joy. And she even took to Facebook to start to connect with family all over the world. Um, And, you know, I used to dread helping my grandmother, you know, navigate technology, but other people started to step up. Like my dad went over and showed her how to, you know, joyfully respond to Facebook comments. Um, And things just started to not feel like a burden. And I think those are just a couple of examples of like, you know, this fundamental Buddhist concept of like, when we change, the people in your environment change too. And, you know, in fact, they, they forces in the environment really rally to support mm-hmm. your, your inner mm-hmm. determination. And it really is up to you. And like, how can I power through so that I can really be a model for other people? You know, so many people in my life express that they want to, you know, see changes happen in their own families. And so um, when I decided to do this, um, I had to chant every, to really ramp up my Buddhist practice every morning to have confidence in the fact that like what I want to do is, is to have confidence in the fact that like what's in my heart is like the most important thing. Mm. And it wasn't obligatory. It was like, I'm so happy to be here right now. Like for the first time, it wasn't like I had this passive approach to like also pursuing my dreams. And so many people have um, really stood up as a result of me determining. It's like, I didn't determine like, I'm going to be like my grandmother's sole caretaker by any means, but like my inner sense of determination to like really like, like dig in and like contribute in my unique way has enabled other people to step up in the ways that, you know, they can uniquely contribute as well. Um, and then, you know, other tangible benefits of, you know, you know, making such a firm determination, like just as I am, are that, you know, there are more services that she's now um, also receiving and assistance that she's also receiving. Mm, that's just such a beautiful way to put it. On top of this, I began to supplement our phone calls with more research about her hometown, Kensington, Georgia, and the other places she lived. You know, one of the most moving experiences was, you know, getting caught up in research one night and deciding to explore census records to really get a look and feel because my grandma can give me illustrations, but like, I want to like, I want to see the streets. I want to see who lived there. And so I was exploring these census records And I went all the way back to the 1800s and I found this white slave owner in Georgia um, who listed my grandmother's grandfather 
um, as a servant at the time. And we always knew that my, my grandmother's grandfather was a slave. Um, and so, you know, I'm starting to uncover like where my family, you know, came from. And on top of that, my interest has been further peaked because you can see online that there's this lineage from this slave owner's family that is clearly documented and available. And I really dream that one day I could even contact that family. And, you know, who knows, like maybe one day, you know, we'll have a PBS special (laughs) where we can, where we can talk because, you know, if I have an interest in, you know, talking to, you know, my great, great grandfather's slave owner's descendants, maybe someone on their end Mm. could have that interest too. It sounds like from, from what you're saying is the that you sort of have felt a little bit out of place and not totally understood despite really loving your family. And it Mm -hmm. sounds like your grandmother feels the same way. And maybe it's just a natural extension of being in this um, family with so many identities, you know, sometimes that is just what happens um, by nobody's particular Mm. fault. So yeah. What is the outcome you're seeking for yourself in terms of how you want to feel and how you want your grandmother to feel? Mm. I'm really determined for me, my grandmother, and anyone else listening (laughs) to really be able to not hold back in terms of addressing the things that we care about the most um, and to have confidence that taking one step forward is, is a victory in itself, you know, Through studying Buddhism, I was able to confirm that there's fundamentally nothing wrong with reaching an impasse, and there's nothing to be ashamed of when difficulties arise. It's chanting that enables me to have the confidence to continue to take that next step in this process. And my mentor, Daisaku Ikeda, writes, Buddhism's greatest significance lies in overcoming such impasses by chanting Nam-myoho-renge-kyo. And that's just, you know, so profound to me that like, you know, throughout my life, throughout my grandmother's life, it's like when we reach an impasse, like whether it be in our own lives or with a family member, like it can be embarrassing and you can really feel like... um, I have felt like shame around difficulty and um, I'm just so moved when Daisaku Ikeda writes like Buddhism's greatest significance lies in overcoming such impasses. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, that's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I um, yeah, I feel like it's just so your whole this whole story is just so heartening to hear like that even in a relationship, you can make a determination. I think people are very used to the idea of setting goals and making Mm -hmm. determinations in other spheres of your life, but not necessarily in human relationships. And this is just like such a different take. Like, how do you make your grandmother feel understood, loved and appreciated in this kind of last chapter of her life? And how do you find yourself Mm -hmm. in this chapter of your life? It's just amazing. So I I guess my final question is, um, like, what have you learned uh, through this process about your grandmother? Like, has has anything changed in terms of 
this tension between like this person who it, you know you love so much who's also kind of um been the source of uh like you know other tensions <laughs> oh my gosh I am just so moved by how when I decided to really embrace my grandmother just as she is I just like my whole life opened up and I saw like all of these things that were direct reflection of her and me. Um, that's from, you know, our desire to connect with family, our desire to be known, our desire to la our, our tendency to feel shame when we experience difficulties, um, a love for learning, but uh, self-consciousness around expressing ourselves um, and sharing our reflections out of fear of being judged. Um, of course, she has different reflections than I do based on our different life experiences. But when it comes down to it, like these tendencies are shared. And I'm just so grateful that she has. Yeah, I'm just so grateful to be alive with her at this time. And for us both to be acting out of courage rather than fear like she's, she seems to be surrounded by just so many loving people right now. Um, and I know that that's a result of like my family's prayer to like really ensure that this chapter of her life is, um, you know, one in which like in every moment she, she can win over herself, like, and to continue to feel connected and hopeful and not worry you know there's no need to worry and she's expressed to me many times that like she's just so happy that you know she can she can trust me and talk to me just thinking back to this person who maybe from childhood to college years as you shared kind of struggled with this internal battle of some sort that you're describing mm -hmm. um how are you feeling now like what changed kind of inside of you in terms of how you yourself in your family right. based on this transformation with your grandmother oh yeah so <laughs> I think like the this special bond that I've been able to develop with my grandmother makes me feel like I can take on anything because like she you know she's not the easiest person to you know to crack I think our relationship also inspires you know my relationships with with my other family members um i'm still shy about sharing my the joy of like learning about our family history but at the same time i do make efforts to share you know like i hear moments in my grandmother's life story where like there was that like always this longing to like you know be together as a family and yet that was a struggle and um, while it continues to be a struggle, it's like we can redetermine to like embrace the struggle and like to truly have a new departure in, in our family history of where we're not limited by distance or time. So here's what I learned from Priya's story. You can chant about anything even the most confusing, painful relationships. And when you do, your courage and wisdom will inevitably come out. Based on these, you can take action. 
I could never have imagined that phone calls could create such a big transformation in people's lives. But at the same time, SGI Nietzsche in Buddhism really emphasizes the importance of heartfelt dialogue as the way to create lasting change. And if you're willing to look at what's in your own heart, you can impact someone else's in an amazing way. We'll continue to explore the topic of family on future episodes, but in the meantime, if you enjoyed the show and you want to read more amazing stories, visit buddhability.org and check out the people section. And as always, don't hesitate to get in touch using the connect form on the site or reach out to me about the podcast at podcast at sgi-usa.org. That's it for today and we'll see you next week.